Hello, friends, and welcome to the Adopting and Fostering Home podcast. Wherever you are on your fostering or adopting journey, we're here to provide the resources and encouragement you need. Thanks for bringing us along. And now, your host, Lynette Zell. Hey, everyone, welcome back. I sure appreciate you spending time with me today. I have a great story of a young man who felt called by the Lord to share his home, his life, and most importantly, his faith with a young soul in need of a home. You know, thinking about the story kind of reminds me of Jesus pouring his love and wisdom into the hearts of the disciples. He was equipping them to impact the world in his name. And you know how the Lord called Saul. Think about that. He discipled him into the Apostle Paul, who then invested his life into young Timothy. Remember when he encouraged Timothy with these words, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth. But Timothy, set an example for believers in in your speech, in your conduct, in how you love others, and in your purity. In other words, Timothy, don't allow young age, your young age, to deter you from loving others and pouring into their lives for the sake of the gospel. And this leads me to our guest today. When I first heard Corey Taylor's story and how the Lord was using him to love vulnerable children, I just knew I had to share it with you. Now, Corey is a 23-year-old professional, and he's been in foster care and adoption for over a year now. And he's recently moving closer to sharing even his last name with his six-year-old foster son, Aiden. So welcome, Corey. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. I love your beautiful story. I love seeing your faithfulness at such a young age. But I really want to hear you share it and just share with us how the Lord brought you into these waters of adoption and foster care. All right, so I'll start about five years ago. My family moved to St. Charles, and I had to leave my high school job that I loved. And uh, it was a family-owned business, so I I had uh, grown to be part of this family. And fast forward um, to 2018, three years after that, they offered me a job back full-time rather than just the high school job that I had had before. And so I said yes, because I was eager to get out of the job that I was in at the time. And uh, that was January of 2018. And by March, the end of March of 2018, I had bought my first house and had moved back to Illinois. And so I lived out there on my own for a while. Um, For about a year, I was content, but I started to feel uh, a nudge to do something more than what I was doing. Yeah, I didn't feel like I was... I was doing enough and that God was calling me for something bigger. So I started praying about it a little bit and I just felt this, this feeling deep inside. I don't know how, how really to describe other than that, but I just didn't know what it was. And so one night in February of 2019, I remember just, it was like two o'clock in the morning and I couldn't sleep and I climbed out of bed and I knelt in front of the window and I pushed the curtain open I just looked up at the sky and said God tell me what you want me to do wow um, and that night I just had the thought of foster care and that was the first time I had ever thought about that um, as a possibility for me so I kind of ignored it for a little while which is kind of dumb considering <laughs> that I asked for it right and he gave it to me right away and then I ignored it for I think about two weeks 
but eventually again because i couldn't sleep i just googled it and found um, an organization here in st louis called the foster and adoptive care coalition yes and sent an email and said that i wanted to you know look into becoming a foster parent and they called me, I don't know if it was the day, the next day or later that week and set up the beginning of my licensing process. So, And so you're like 21 at the time, is that right? Yes, I bought my first house two months before I turned 21. And so this was a couple months before I turned 22. And so did you have a lot of, of community around you at that time when you first bought your house, you moved to your new city? Did you have a lot of people around you that was doing foster care? Were you super familiar with it? I wasn't. My mom's youngest sister is a caseworker in Missouri, and then a friend of the family had done it, but it wasn't someone that I was in constant contact with. So uh, those were the only two people that I knew even involved in foster care. And so you just um, kind of stepped out in faith and just shot the email. Is that how it started? Yep, that's how it started. Wow, I love that. and so things moved along pretty quickly for you. Um, I've heard this happen to couples before and to foster parents before, but never quite <laughs> as quickly as yours moved. And so um, yeah. tell us how that how that moved along. Yeah, so originally I contacted the, the coalition in March, and I said I want to wait until July, I think is when I told her that I wanted to start the licensing process. And then... I called her back maybe a week later and said, never mind, just start, let's start now. And then um, they said that it would probably be six to 12 months wow. because of the background checks were so, so backed up in that department in the state. And so I was expecting to maybe start January of yeah. this year. And um, my background check came back a month later, 30 days. Goodness. And I started pride classes in August. So then by the fifth pride training, which there were two a week, I got a call from a, well, from a friend, a friend texted me and said, Hey, there's this boy that needs a home. Would you be interested in becoming his foster parent? And I wasn't licensed or anything, but I said, I'll talk to the caseworker and see if we can work something out. And she talked to me and told me all about him and uh, asked if I wanted to meet him. And so I met him that Friday and he ended up moving in with me, I think a week later, oh my which goodness. was August 27th <laughs> of 2019. Goodness. And I still wasn't licensed. I think at that point I had done six of the nine classes, but, um, so yeah, uh, August 27th is when I officially became a foster parent. Corey, that is amazing. And I know that first placement, that first son stayed with you for about six months in your home. And I'm sure the Lord taught you a lot, um, a lot during that time. I know you wrote a lot on your blog about that. But um, you said that during that time when he, you know, after he left, that you had that time alone after he'd been there six months. And it was such a, uh, I'm sure it was a huge learning curve. But you made the statement that you had grief met with peace. What do you mean by that? So when I said no to adoption for him um, and we had to look for an adoptive home, uh, I it was the hardest decision that I've ever had to make. Oh, and sure. I remember just after sending the text message to the caseworker that said, no, I can't adopt, but I will 
be here and support anything that you need me to until an adoptive home is found. I just remember laying on the floor of the living room and I was in physical pain over the decision. Wow. Because every dollar that I spent, every um, decision that I made, every moment that I was awake was dedicated to this kid who now I had to learn to live without. And so um, it was an incredibly painful and hard decision to make, but I had prayed about it pretty much the entire time he lived with me. I knew that um, parental rights would be terminated and I had prayed about it constantly if it would be the right decision for, for us. And I knew that God's answer was no. Every step of the way, I just felt no, this isn't right. So you were kind of a middle family for him until the Lord was getting him where he needed him to be. And that's so important for people to understand in this calling that sometimes it's just a short season and sometimes they're with you forever. But most of the time you're they're with you for short seasons. And I think a right. lot of people miss that point. And you just uh, share that so candidly, but it is absolutely true. And you grieve that, right? Right. And And now I'm in kind of a place with him where for the first time since I've met him, I don't know exactly where he is and I don't know um, what he's doing and how he's doing. And if he's being told that he's loved that again, when that happened, I had to grieve it all over again. Oh, yeah. And so it's just hard. And I think that we don't really talk about it that often, how yeah. hard it is. That is really hard because when the you fall so in love with the placement, but you know the Lord's not calling you. Because I know that, um, let's give people some background here. There wasn't really a big enough of an age span between the two of you because you were so young. You felt right. like it, you had shared with me, you felt like it was more of a, a brother situation as opposed to a father-son. Right. There, he was 11 and I was 22. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. And so I, I understand that. That was a very wise decision. I know you still spend a lot of time praying for him. Right. So I know that we learn a lot, Corey, in training. And, you know, we get all the book knowledge and we spend those lessons together and we learn from professionals. But there's a lot we can't learn until we get that first placement. And I know yours lasted six months. I know you got super attached and I know you you it just broke your heart when he had to leave. But what are some things that the Lord really taught you? Maybe one or two things he taught you during that first placement. I think the one thing that I would say that I learned from that first placement would be these kids have gone through so much that that loving them it while easy for us isn't easy for them to receive oh yeah good point point. and so it doesn't matter how good of a parent you are or or what you do for them or how much you love them they're not always going to receive it gracefully mm-hmm. um, because we're not the parents that they want right and i knew that going in and you know, hear people talk about that, but you don't really understand it until you see it, yeah. until you experience it. But that just really opened my eyes to what they're going through, mm-hmm. not just the kids that are in my home, but all kids in foster care and just to give grace mm-hmm. because it's not easy for them either. No, because it's harder for them than it is for us, oh, obviously. Absolutely. Because they're still living in survival mode in the brain. And, you know, they're they're always on on the edge of you know, fight, fright, or flight, or, you know, freeze, or, you know, they're just protecting themselves because people in their past, they should have been able to trust, they couldn't. And then 
Right. Here comes along a Corey Taylor who they can trust, and they don't know that. Their brains can't receive that. What an incredible picture that you were, you were able to show up and be the caring adult in the room at such a young age. Because, um, I mean, I look at you as such a young man, and yet how the Lord has equipped you to keep loving, like you said, with grace, even though you didn't probably get a lot in return. And that is a lesson you cannot really learn from a book. Right. Yeah. So let's pick up. You, you accepted another placement and then COVID hits. So I cannot imagine. I've seen today how busy you are and uh, running your son here and there with the shutdown and having to, you know, do school from home and that sort of thing. So share with us what your days look like. Uh, tell us about your second placement and then what your days look like working from home and schooling your son. Like, how do you do this as a, a single young professional? Right. So when he first came to my house, it was the end of March and I had been not working. So I was getting paid still, but not working. Mm-hmm. So I was just home being a stay at home dad for him for two months, um, all of April and all of May. And then we went back to work and he went to daycare in June. Oh, okay. And so that was probably the best thing that could have happened because it really allowed us to bond and attach and learn each other and be with each other 24 seven. It was just a really good experience for us. But during that, the whole, the schooling situation, it was also confusing. And he was coming to me in the middle of a school year from a completely different school district. And so there wasn't anything that I got from his school district. So for me, for schooling with him then for last year was just making up stuff and, Uh, doing lessons in the driveway with chalk and going on nature walks and stuff like that. So it was kind of unstructured. It was a a weird time for sure. And how old is he at this time? He was five when he moved in with me. He turned six about a month later. Oh, wow. And so I'm sure that... um... It's been an it's been a really odd time for all of us, but I can imagine getting this this little one in your home who you don't know them, they don't know you, and then you get those you said about eight weeks to just kind of shut out the outside world and just get to know right. one another. Right. How did he feel about that? How did Aiden feel about this time together? Aiden loved it. <laughs> um, he we went on walks every day. We got to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, I got to play outside all the time. It was just uh, a really good time for him to uh, just be himself for a little while and and just kind of grieve a little bit, um, mm-hmm. have space for that because mm-hmm. the, the home before him, before me that he was in, um, he was really attached to them. And so it was hard for him to leave them. Um, and having that two months where he didn't really have to worry about anything else, it really allowed him to heal a lot quicker than it would have if he was not with me mm-hmm. um, at home all day. You know, you talk about a time when you had finally gotten three new photos of Aiden and you put him on the fridge and they were photos before you entered his life, I think. I think I'm right on that. Yes. And you write about this in your blog, but you said you were talking to Aiden, you know, about being a baby and, and memories of you being little, things your mom would say about you and your siblings. And and Adam's, Aiden had an interesting comment to you about being a baby. What was it he shared with you? Yeah, so I was um, talking to him. I don't know exactly how the conversation started or anything, but I asked him if he knew um, who had given birth to him. And so 
he didn't know what that meant. And I said, you know, uh, where did you live when you were a baby? And he said, oh, I was never a baby. I was only ever just like this, like four. Wow. And I realized that he had never been, he doesn't remember his his biological family or living with them. He remember he knows them, but he doesn't remember living there. And so the only experience he he has with his biological mom is um, parent visits in random buildings or parks or whatever. And she, you know, doesn't in those moments, doesn't have time to go into all of the things that he did as a baby and have those conversations about what his favorite foods were, what he liked to do as a baby or how he slept as a baby. And so for him, that part of his life was just lost. Yes. Um, and so for him, it, it's not a, a big deal. He, he doesn't know any different, but mm-hmm. for me, that was uh, a really depressing thing to think about, to know that he doesn't really have a history an internal history. And so I've been working on really putting those pieces back and getting as many pictures of him as possible that I can find and talking to him about, about those times and trying to get him to tell me stories about those times so that he can, he can remember. Yeah. I don't think people understand. I remember, uh, Corey, when this hit me, when, you know, the kids get older in school and they're like, everybody bring in a baby picture on this day. And I, I didn't have that. Like, Right. I didn't have that to bring to the table, and I just worried about how is this child going to respond to that. Um, I can't imagine, like you said, having uh, not having those pieces to fit together, having that void in my life. And I don't think a lot of times we think about that. Like you said, it hit you that day when, when Aiden said, I was never a baby. You know, I've always right. been just like this. Um, but how important those early memories are, you know, shared or remembered. You know, they shape who we are. And many children in the system are from orphanage, orphanages. They don't have pieces from their past. And, and you, you stated it really well. There's a, there's a history void for them, a part of them that you just can hardly, hardly piece together. So how are you working on that for Aiden? For, with Aiden, a lot of the times I'll just, um, if he mentions something, yeah. he'll, he'll talk sometimes about, if we go to a park and he sees a, a specific looking playground, he'll be like, oh, I went there with my mom. Oh, yeah. Um, and so then I'll I'll try to open that conversation up and, and try to tell have him tell me uh, everything that he remembered about that day. Um, and then when we see a baby or whatever or, or a mom that's pregnant, I'll I'll remind him of the time that he spent in his mom's belly. Yeah. Um, and just try to just talk about it as much as possible um, so that he under understands and that he knows that if he ever wants to talk to me about it, if he ever has a question for me that I'm okay with talking about it because I bring it up more than he does now. Yeah, and as he gets older, I have found that it kind of hits in middle school that they really begin to realize my past is a little different than my peers, you know? Right. Um, and and just that, um, that you're given that value, that your past is important to me. Someone loved you and gave birth to you, and then right. they hit a hard time, you know, and they needed support and maybe didn't get the support they needed. Uh, that is going to just do incredible things for him. You're just going to really be able to help him kind of uh, build uh, his history, you know, with your help and with the guidance of the Holy Spirit to just kind of build that together to know that he has value and that those days mattered. Um, But then again, it's just a small chapter of his story that God's writing for his life. Right. I love that. 
Um, share with everyone, like, you're a single guy. I'm going back to that again. You're young. How did you find community for this calling? Um, and kind of share how that's helped you, because I know that, that the Lord's really answered that prayer for you. Yeah. Um, so before I was fostering, um, between moving into my house and uh, like a year later, I was just kind of, I would go to church on Sundays and I would slip out. Yeah. And I didn't want anyone to know who I was. I didn't want anyone to recognize me. And if anyone started to recognize me, I would switch churches. I just didn't, I didn't want to be known by anybody. And uh, there were a lot of reasons for that, but I just, I was content with just being by myself and having a relationship with God by myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want friendships. Um, and when I started really thinking about fostering and it was starting to become real, I, I was realizing that I couldn't live like that with a, with a son, Mm -hmm. um, that he would need to have connections and that it, it would not be good, a, a good role model for, for me to live like that. And so I started going to a church and um, I was still kind of on the fence, but they just kept inviting me to things and kept inviting me to things. And if I didn't show up, they would text me and ask me why. <laughs> they like really bothering me about it. Yeah, I love um, it. And so I joined their community group and um, I'm so glad that I did because they, all those people um, that were in that group have been so meaningful to me and so helpful for like physical things like babysitting or picking kids up from school or whatever but also just to have someone to listen to me whenever Mm -hmm. things are getting rough which is so important when we're doing this because there will be rough patches and you know you just really need the support of others to say you know they're outside looking in and then you invite them into your space and they say look you're you're moving forward or maybe you do feel a little stuck but we really do scripture makes it clear that we need to build one another up and encourage one another spur one another along and you found that in this community haven't you i have yeah and so what's some other tangible things they did to kind of support you and aiden or they continue to do that's meant a lot to you okay there's an organization in my area um they serve, I think, four counties in Illinois um, called the Restore Network. Um, and my boss actually got me connected to them uh, about two or three months before I started trainings. And they are just phenomenal at supporting foster parents. So they're they, outside of the church. They're uh, they are outside of my church, yeah. but they are a church organization. Gotcha. They are supported by the churches. Um, they partner with churches. Um, for everything they will come and cut your grass if you are crazy busy or they will bring you they bring you meals for like the first two weeks after you accept a placement oh wow that's incredible um they bring you an entire I mean, i got an entire trunk load of clothes from nude clothes from target when both of my kids um, were placed with me that has to be incredibly helpful yes um beds cribs mattresses oh wow um, pretty much if you can think of a need that somebody has while fostering, they will provide support for it. Well, um, I would I'd they, love to see the Restore Network in every pocket of our, every group of churches in our nation, in the world right. supporting, because so many foster parents, you know, the statistics are against us. We quit after the first placement and to have something like the Restore Network, uh, it's just made a huge difference in your life, hasn't it? It has. 
Uh, there are a lot of times when I probably, if I didn't have them, I might have quit. Yes. Um, and so just having that support and just they, they call and check up on you once a month. Um, and another big resource that I used was their parenting coach, who is a TBRI practitioner, who I called every Wednesday morning before work. And we would talk for an hour and I would tell her everything that went wrong that week. And she would tell me every way to fix it. Wow. And it was so crucial to providing healing for my first placement. You know, Corey, I know it's hard for anyone. Um, it's a little, it can be fearful to step into foster care and adoption, especially if we're in our 20s or just starting our first job or we haven't, we haven't parented before. Or we're, you know, maybe single or don't feel like we have community. And you've showed us so beautifully how the body of Christ can step in and support us. But do you have any advice or encouragement or maybe first step um, instructions that you could share with young adults who are considering foster care and adoption? Yeah. So I would say if, if there's a young adult who thinks that they want to do this, but are afraid that they can't or that they'll be denied because I thought that when I sent that email to the foster and adoptive care coalition, I really didn't expect them to respond to me. Um, but they're not going to say no to you because of your age, mm. um, unless you're under 21 or I think is the limit, but, um, that is not a reason not to do it. So don't think that, that, um, you're just not going to be accepted as a foster parent. Um, if you're not sure if you're ready for it, there are a ton of ways to kind of get your feet wet in it. Um, if you want to look into big brother, big sister in your area and, and just kind of that, I mean, it's not exactly the same, but right. a similar kind of situation where you're mentoring a child um, or try to find some volunteer resources around you um, where you can volunteer for a foster care event. Um, I know that a lot of places around the beginning of school year, they'll have back to school bashes yeah, that's for a great idea. foster families or um, Christmas things or just look, Google it, um, find ways that you can volunteer and just kind of see what it's all about. Um, and there's always like one-on-one classes or workshops or, you know, things to that just explain what it is and go to as many of those as you can find um, and just, just really um, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid um, just because you're young or single or don't have your, your career all figured out yet. All that will, will be okay. Yeah. Um, it's not, don't let that discourage you. That's a great point because the Lord will, he's, you know, he starts it and he is reigning in the middle of it. We've said this over and over and he'll bring this to completion, but you're right. Um, it, for all of us, no matter our age, we never feel it's the right time to bring another child right. into our home. I mean, we just don't. Um, and I'll tell you something I did too. And I, is I started hanging around people who did it, <laughs> right. who were in foster care, who were in adoption. And I just, begin to learn from them and see how they did family or how they brought children in their home or what their lives look like now, what kind of support they got. And that helped me a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Well, tell, give us an update on what you and Aiden enjoy doing now as we were ending this. We've loved hearing your story. And I just know you're going to be a huge encouragement to so many who are who are young and maybe don't feel qualified, but just know the Lord's calling them to it, that to just take that first step, but kind of maybe share something with us you and Aiden enjoy doing together, or maybe you're something you're reading together, but give us a little more of an insight into what your day looks like with sweet Aiden. 
Yeah. Um, I think the my favorite thing that me and Aiden do together on an average uh, day is we read a book at night uh, bedtime, um, not a picture book. So I pick a book that is written for kids, but is not a picture book. So that kind of forces him to imagine what's going oh, on. Yeah. So right now we're reading, um, we're reading the Narnia series. Mm. So we're um, halfway through that, I think. Yeah, he loves it. He always asks me to pick out the big book and uh, he will sit there and listens to it. And sometimes when I finish a chapter, he feels like it's not enough and we'll read the second chapter. But I, w- I was worried about that at first because I didn't know if it would hold his interest without having the pictures. It's been so helpful for teaching him how to read, even though he's not the one reading the pages. It's, it's really been uh, cool to see. Well, I love that, and I know just sitting shoulder to shoulder, reading that book together, and using your imaginations together, because that book's great for adults as well. We still love it at our house, and then one day he can see the movies, but um, I know that's a great bonding time for you, too. Yes, it is. Well, Corey, thank you for sharing your story today, and I know that, as I said earlier, your transparency... Um, your faith to step forward in this at such a young age will encourage many more 20-somethings and, and everyone, anyone considering this, who the Lord is nudging towards foster care and, and adoption. And your story will just really be an encouragement to help people do that. And those of you who listened today, if you'd like to continue to follow along with Corey's adoption journey that he calls Just One Single Parent But Not Alone, you can read his updates at justonedad.home.blog. And I know that his writings, he's such a gifted writer, and I know that his, his writings will be a blessing to you. So thank you, Corey, for being with us today, for sharing your story, and we look forward to getting another update from you. All right. Thank you for having me. This has been the Adopting and Fostering Home Podcast, a ministry of Send Relief. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more and subscribe at sendrelief.org. Thanks for listening and making us part of your journey.